Home. It is more than four walls and a roof. Home is a feeling. I'm Jennifer Stagg, and I believe that home is the most important place on the planet. Here, I dive into all things home, whether it's tips from my latest DIY project or interviews that examine what gives a house that something special. Join me as I get to the heart of the home. Life can be unpredictable, but if you look hard enough, my friend Jennifer Bourget believes you can find a little bit of magic in your everyday. She's a mom to three adorable children and is the first to admit adjusting to life amid the coronavirus pandemic hasn't been easy. Jennifer candidly shares her experiences with homeschooling, gardening, and homesteading on social media. As a black woman, the wife of a white police officer, and the mom of biracial kids, she's also uniquely positioned to understand the issues of police brutality and race relations so prevalent in our country right now. She's sharing some of those thoughts with me today on Heart of the Home. The Heart of the Home continues in just a moment. Hey everyone, popping on here to tell you about our latest collection drop on Stag Design. It's our art collection. These are beautiful, large-scale, very high-quality art pieces that will mix seamlessly with our current collection pillows and fabrics and wallpapers. You can check it all out on stagdesignshop.com. You and I have been friends for a long time. We both went through the BYU broadcasting program together. Tell us a little bit first about where your career has taken you since then. Gosh, I mean, so yeah, I worked in broadcasting. Also, I think we were kind of parallel lives for a little bit. I um, was an anchor and reporter in Austin, Texas for a while, Um like I'm trying to think how many years I don't even know, but um, basically moved to Austin after graduating, got a job working and reporting in education and um, adoption and then anchoring on the weekends. And I started a blog on the side and it was kind of back then kind of like an anonymous type blogging thing. <laughs> I think, you know, 10, 10, 12 years ago, that's kind of how it was. And it was just a place where I could just write for fun and opinions because I always just love storytelling and writing. And um, then like along the way, it was like I was doing both. And then the blogging side started to become more of a career. And I had a couple of kids, so I had fallen in love with that more and decided to pull back from the um, journalism side. And I stepped down from full-time to part-time and then after a few years of doing that, just pulled away entirely. And I've been working full-time on my blog, cherish365.com, which is about um, like finding your individuality and um, really cherishing that, enjoying every day with your family and the things that matter to you. Your blog is so fascinating to me because we sort of were on this very ambitious career path, right? And then we both mm-hmm. channeled into different career paths that involve blogging. But you're so fascinating to me because I am not a homeschool mom. <laughs> I am not. I love my children so much, but that has never been on my radar, Yeah. right? And you like fully embraced homeschooling and that whole path long before the pandemic happened. Can you tell me a little bit about how kind of your philosophy and parenting and home life in general? 
Yeah. You know, it's funny because I had never intended to be a homeschool parent either. Um, but it actually, while I was a reporter, I did, um, a back to school series one year and I met some families who homeschooled and that was like a little seed that planted. Like I didn't have any kids at the time or anything, but it was just like a little seed that planted in my brain about the possibility of homeschooling, some of the benefits that people found around it. And then by the time I had kids and like my daughter started in kindergarten at public school, but it it still was in the back of my mind, just this idea of like, you know, we are all our unique individual people. Like we, there has never been anyone that is us and there never will be. Like we are just one person that will never be replaced. So I had just been feeling like, you know, these kids that I'm getting to know, like I, I know them better than anyone else does. And even I like am barely scratching the surface on who this person is. And I just felt like, you know, um, it's so important to figure out who you're meant to be, like who you're, who you're here to be, what your talents are, what makes you different. Um, and embracing that. And homeschool just felt like a really good avenue for that for me. And I I think, I mean, honestly, like even deeper than that and simpler actually in a way is like my daughter uh, was struggling with reading and I didn't know until the last day of school when the teacher was like, yeah, make sure you're practicing reading every day this summer because she's really having a hard time. And I was like, wow, how come I didn't know about this all year? And, um, that was when I just decided to like, okay, we're going to dive in and do this and jump in and just try to figure this out because maybe she needs to approach reading in a different way. And then about a year later, we found out she's dyslexic and, you know, um, learning how to navigate that, but really just, you know, um, finding ways, you know, you have a few kids, you know, like each of them are so different, right? I mean, you think like, oh yeah, same parents, they're going to be like similar personalities. They're completely different. So just finding ways to, um, that bring out things in them that they really enjoy has been really fun for me. And it's not easy with all of them. I mean, my first daughter does make it kind of easy because she just soaks up everything like she loves listening to me read and having discussions and my son is more like I just want to talk about animals so it's kind of like learning to equate things in ways that he understands but it's been a fun challenge so we're going to jump around a little bit because I want to keep going down this homeschool path just because there are so many parents who are now facing that that never thought they would. Um, But tell us about your kids so you have three children two girls Mm -hmm. and a boy what are their ages so Jada's 10. She um, is my oldest. Tyree is seven. And so he's going into the second grade, you know, officially. And then uh, my youngest is just turned two. And she's, we call her Lily. <laughs> she's and she wild. <laughs> is a wild child. Yes. I've yes. been watching you like try and contain her at night. Yes. Uh, and we have gone th- through those struggles, but she's like another level of yes. escape artist. <laughs> So, um, you know, has it been interesting figuring out how to navigate learning and at-home learning and watching other parents navigate this in the middle of the pandemic? It probably makes you feel grateful that you figured out a lot of this beforehand, right? 
You know, I will, I will say that, um, like, because it's funny because last year, um, when I, we had moved to a new home and we just started a new school last school year and the area that we're zoned for now. And it was like, I always said, we'll take it year by year and see how it goes. And last year at the school, my oldest, um, did fine in fourth grade. Like she did great. Um, it wasn't like, I felt like she was excelling or like she was behind. It was just, you know, like school and it was fine. And, and she had friends and she enjoyed it. And my son who had done great uh, the previous year in kindergarten kind of struggled more in first grade. And we were trying to figure out where we were m- missing the mark. Like, was it at home? Was it at school? Where Like I had always kind of thought that maybe there was something going on there, but I was reassured by the kindergarten teacher and then she ended up like going on maternity leave. So it was just like trying to communicate with different teachers and figuring out um, what we were doing. So I had already been like, okay, definitely probably going to be homeschooling my son next year for second grade. We'll see with Jada for fifth and was kind of just had this in my head. And then yeah, the pandemic hit in, in March, you know, in spring break. And it was like, whoa, I was already considering this and now I'm being thrown into this. So now here's really kind of the test for me because the, the biggest wild card again was my youngest, you know, can I do this with her running around? But it definitely, I think, made it a little bit easier just because of uh, some of those questions that you all have and that you worry about in the beginning, I think are like, am I teaching them well? Are they getting enough education? Are they falling behind? You know, um, I don't remember how to teach these things. Like, you know, where do they stack up and compare to their peers? You know, are we doing enough? Like all of those questions that I know that people are worried about right now, I've been through. And I think that I've the nice hurdle, like the biggest hurdle I think is, is getting over that and letting go and feeling like, all right, this is not a race. These are individual people, children who are going to learn everything they need to learn. It's just a matter of when, um, like I went to homeschooling conferences where they told us how K through 12 math can, once the child is developmentally ready, they can learn all of the math that they need to learn in a matter of something like 40 hours. Like it's, you know, they can just knock it out, you know, same with reading and other things, but you know, in school, there's a lot of transitions. There's a lot of you know, getting the class back on board. There's a lot of like individual kind of pulling off and making sure they get it. There's a lot of review, you know, um, that's why public school, you know, can take seven, eight hours, you know, they're gone all day because of all those extra steps, but one-on-one you really can get a lot accomplished. And once you let go of those, um, fears and insecurities that we all have about where they stack up and kind of just let go of the comparisons. I think you can really get in and enjoy the learning process with your kids and figuring out really who they are outside of all of those extra, you know, outside of the box. That is such an interesting perspective because I have heard you say before, you know, we would do homeschooling in like three hours. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Like, Kids are in school all day long, but it sounds like you're a lot more efficient. You've figured out a lot of things. You're also willing to kind of, it sounds like, let your children learn at their pace and at the way that Mm -hmm. they individually learn, where in schools, you know, they're trying, it's a one size fits all, you know, because they can't really individualize everything. Yeah. What would you 
first of all, I've, I've so appreciated in the last few days, you've, you've kind of reminded people that you have resources on your website that talk specifically about schooling at home, at home learning, the difference between homeschool and at school, at home learning and, and sort of what you've learned down that path, which I think is so valuable for parents, but also like, what advice would you have for a parent who's now suddenly homeschooling and, or doing at-home learning and they never thought they'd be in this position and they're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and and very unsure about what to expect for the year ahead. It'd be interesting to see how the schools handle it. And I think with distance learning, every district's kind of going to be a little bit different. You know, some I hear are having kids log on a certain number of hours per day. Some are just check a box that says that you, you know, that counts as your attendance. Um, some teachers are actually teaching a class and they have a video up for kids to watch. Others are like putting links and saying, all right, here's where your lessons are and turn this in. So I think that figuring out what your school is doing and how comfortable you feel with the amount of uh, work you're going to be putting into it, kind of like figuring out where that stands right out the gate, I think is important. So you know where your expectations are on how involved you need to be, how independent your kids can be. I just, I actually enrolled my kids in a public school uh, for their virtual learning program just to see like, okay, how is this going to look before I officially unenroll? Because I think if it's a matter of like, okay, you log on, they're doing the teaching and they're, um, you know, explaining to them, you know, this is what we're going to be doing today. Uh, then that might not be so hard. But if that's like a seven hour thing, then I'd be like, okay, let's just do homeschool because we can do math and, you know, 25 minutes and reading in 25 minutes and then, you know, have breaks in between and, you know, um, and then, or if it's a matter of, you know, okay, am I going to have to get on and look at their assignments and explain how to do them for them? Am I going to have to, you know, how hands-on am I going to have to be with this program versus just doing it on our own? So I think it's all parents should kind of look at it that same way. Like what, what are the expectations with the teachers, you know? And I think understanding that everyone's in the same boat. So you don't have, like, it's not like you have to have it all figured out right now. The teachers are in this for the first time. Parents are in this for the first time. Students are in this for the first time. I mean, I think the end of last year, we were all pushed into it, but I wouldn't even count that as like really the first time experience because they didn't have everything set up for this, you know? And I think now schools have had a chance to kind of think of ways to be more efficient, hopefully, and um, ways for it to work for everybody. And I mean, I'm hoping that what comes out of this is just having more options for kids, you know, like what if, what if you want to take a week vacation and do school while you're on the road, you know, or what if you want a hybrid situation where, you know, um, you have something going on and you need to like maybe you're someone in your family has helped you something and you need to be home for a while. Like what situations are going to come out of this that can be helpful for families in the future? Um, but yeah, I mean, really my advice is just figure out where your expectations are, what the teacher's expectations are, and then don't be afraid to consider homeschooling too. You know, honestly, I mean, uh, I know it sounds scary, like thinking, oh, what am I going to do for curriculum and this and that, but there are so many options out there and all in one programs and, you know, online programs and 
book programs and, you know, there's, there's so many things out there and so many resources to make it easier. And if, if the school isn't working for you and the way that they're handling it, like, don't be afraid to look into something as another option because you're, they're going to be at home with you anyway. <laughs> Let's expand on home a little bit because, um, you know, you mentioned you guys have moved into a new house that you built, uh, which was a fun process to watch, but you've kind of taken this like, customizing your home to the next level. You've really stepped into sort of that homesteading role. You have a garden happening. You built like a a pool thing. Yeah, I mean, a what a, pool. Yeah. yes, yes. So how has home sort of taken on a different meaning and, and creative sort of like a sanctuary for your family during this very uncertain time? Goodness. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us are doing that, right? Like we're at home more and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? I mean, I think so many people who had never gardened before, like let's start a garden and, you know, let's do this and considering chickens and all sorts of things that I never really saw myself doing. But uh, I mean, for me, it's made me slow down and really uh, realize like we didn't leave home a ton before, but you know, you start to realize, wow, like, I didn't think I really left. I was a homebody, but now I'm like, really a homebody. (laughs) Um, And I think that it's helped me appreciate our space a little bit more. And um, I mean, the reason that we built the home where we did on two acres is because I just wanted a place that my kids could run and play and see deer in the yard, although now they're not as appreciated as the garden. And um, like just really enjoy having more open room. And, you know, of course we didn't know we were going to be in the middle of a pandemic a year later, but it's made us all the more grateful for this space. And I mean, I'm really looking forward to doing nice things to it. I love seeing everything that you do with homes and all your design because I'm like, man, we've been doing a lot outside, but um, I'm excited to, to make it even more like home on the inside also. Well, I am happy to offer unsolicited advice (laughs) all the time when it comes to all things home. Um, But I've been, I've so admired your willingness to just jump in there in all things and figure it out as you go along. Like for anyone who doesn't follow you, she has this hornworm situation, which (laughs) I don't even know. I didn't even know that hornworms were a thing. Like I've never seen one before. We don't have them here. We don't have them in Utah that I know of. I have never seen one until, until I saw you like holding one and trying to sacrifice it to the birds. I was like, (laughs) I have no idea what that thing is. I've just really admired you like being like, okay, well, let's just figure this gardening thing out. Okay, well, let's figure out homeschooling. Okay, I'm a tumbling teacher now. I guess I'm going to figure it out as I go along. And I think that's something that we can all kind of learn from you during this weird time. Something else I've watched you so gracefully navigate is the racial tension Mm -hmm. going on in the country right now. Kind of tell us a little bit more about your family situation and why your dynamic is so unique during this racial climate? Yeah. You know, I think, um, like you were talking about diving in and, and not being afraid to fail really, you know, is kind of 
the approach I've been taking to things. I think part of that is to blame on my impatience. Like I'm, I'm not a super patient person. So I'm like, I just want to do it and I'll figure it out as I go. And if I need to fix something, I'll fix it. And I think with the world right now, there's, there's a, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of tensions and stuff. And I, in my position, I feel like I can just see and really feel where everyone is coming from. So I'm a black woman. My husband is white. He's a police officer. We have biracial kids, um, you know, black kids, like they can identify however they want. And it's, it's, yeah, a challenge right now, just seeing how there's so much um, negativity and misunderstanding, really, you know, I mean, the way that I see it is misunderstanding for everyone, really. <laughs> like, I think um, I, I'm constantly telling my husband, like, man, it would be nice just to have like a sit down, like if everyone, if everyone would just talk, like, and he's like, no, I don't know if they want to, or people, and I'm like, no, people need to just talk. That's what needs to happen. Um, Cause it's hard, you know, seeing people who don't understand Black Lives Matter and think that it's like this racist organization or think that it's like this bad thing, you know, or, or don't understand. And then it's hard for people who, um, think that police in general, like, you know, don't, there's a store here in Austin that recently said they were going to stop selling bikes to police officers. And I was like, why? Like, why? Because you don't like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't even understand. And I was getting so upset over it. And, um, but I mean, stuff like this happens all the time. So I don't, I'm just, I, I, the way that I see it, it's just, there's so much misunderstanding and, a phrase that goes through my mind a lot is like two wrongs don't make a right. Like we just need to uh, find a way to communicate and come together and stuff. But yeah, anyway, that's where I am in this weird <laughs> spot in the middle feeling like, you know, it's hard to find understanding. I watched a, a documentary. I wish I could remember where I saw it because I was just talking to somebody about it yesterday. But it, it basically put two people who had very polarizing views, like they'd pick someone who was anti-LGBTQ with a, a gay woman who was married and had children, or, you know, mm -hmm. and they, they paired all these different people together and put them in a room together for a, a, an amount of time, an hour or two. And when it was over, you know, at first they walked in and they were full of like anger and frustration and, and clear, you know, hatred of each other. Right. But by the right. end of it, they were hugging and crying and really understanding right. where the other person was coming from. And, and maybe they don't land in a place where they see completely eye to eye on everything. But I think there's this level of disconnect where it's easy yeah. for people to say, you just don't understand and you're wrong because right. you don't have to see that person eye to eye. And, 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 right. you know, I think so much, you're right. So much could be solved by just coming together and having meaningful conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, meaningful conversation. And if you remember the name of that documentary, you'll have to tell me because that totally sounds up my alley. Um, and I've had a lot of conversations like that with people who don't understand either position, you know, maybe they don't understand Black Lives Matter. And I feel like I'm able to, you know, one-on-one -on -one be like, well, hey, where, where are you struggling to, to understand? And, 
you know, after a conversation, it's like, oh, okay, I didn't see it that way before. And now it makes sense, you know, and now I can get where people are, you know, coming from. And then, you know, talking with someone who does not understand police work at all, like all they know is these like limited little clips that they've seen on television or read in articles or news stories or in memes and things like that, but they don't actually know police work at all or have never spoken with a police officer and don't know what type of calls they do and what type of what the work is really like at all. Like they really only have seen what they see on TV and being able to explain, well, okay, well, the law says this and this is how, you know, they're supposed to respond or this is, you know, how this works. And I've, you know, had so many cases where people are like, oh, wow, well, I didn't know that because in the meme it said this or, in the, you know, and they didn't know much beyond that. So I think it's important. It's an important thing that we're missing right now, for sure. Do you feel conflicted at times, like you're kind of balancing in between these two worlds of like being a black woman, raising black children or or children that may identify as black and also seeing the other side where you have a husband who's a white police officer and he's constantly trying to deal with those balances. And and do you feel like this internal struggle or is it pretty clear to you? Um, I would say the struggle is an internal, like it's not, you know, oh, who do I side with? Like, this is just who I am and who we are. And I understand. Um, I think I have a sense of understanding that most people don't have because they only have their point of view or they, you know, they only have one half of the picture. They, and they don't either want to see another side or they don't understand it because they don't live it. But since I live in this world where, you know, where police wives might say, Oh, my husband, and he's getting stuff thrown at him and it's so horrible. And, you know, why is all this violence happening and you hate him and he's really a good guy. And, you know, And like, I understand that completely, you know, a hundred percent, like I have those same fears and those same worries, but maybe they don't have the worries that come with, you know, having a black son or, um, you know, being judged when you're, you know, for how you look by the color of your skin. Like they, they don't understand that side of things. So being able to live in this space in the middle, I don't think there's conflict there, but Uh, I think the conflict comes when I'm trying to decide who to engage with, who, who only is seeing one side of it, you know, then it's like, Oh, do I want to die on this hill today? Or am I okay? Just continuing on in my world. And, and I think for me, thankfully with, with the platform that I have, it allows me to just speak my mind and share this unique point of view and not feel like I have to go after people and, you know, who in turn might get defensive, but just being able to share my story and share our experience. And then hopefully little by little people can try to understand more from a perspective that they otherwise didn't try to. How's this all going to end? Like, what are we all supposed to learn or what do you hope that we learn from all of these things from the pandemic, from being forced to figure out education in a new way, from all this racial tension, from all these things happening in the world, what do you think is is going to come out of this in the end? Do you think we're going to be more divided or do you think we're going to walk away changed for the better? Oh, man, that is such a good question. You know, 
I am an eternal optimist. So I want to believe that we are going to come out of this better and having learned so much. But um, I think that we are kind of like in the middle of a couple of stubborn generations and with social media and things like, I think we're kind of missing some like fact checking. And I think there are some things that we need to work out. And once that gets worked out, I have hope. You know, I also have hope like my kids. I mean, we have these conversations about race and, and um, you know, judgment and accepting others. And like, I think that this next generation you know, they hear these things. And I think that a lot of them are kind of confused. Like, why is this even an issue? You know, like, what are you talking about? This happens? Like, why are you talking to me about this? Didn't this happen a long time ago? Like, I hope that this next generation, like focuses on what's really important, and not the things that we're trying to make important right now, like really focusing on, you know, like individuality and and loving others for who they are, but not making who they are this big deal. Like, yes, I'm a black woman. I want you to recognize that. Like, don't feel like you need to be like, oh yes, that person and describe me in 50 other ways besides saying that I'm black. Like, you know, I want you to notice that, but I don't want that to be like the only thing you notice about me. Like it's a part of me, you know, and I don't think that that race um, or religion or any of these ways that we're choosing to identify ourselves need to be the big focus. You know, I think there's so much inside of us that's deeper than that. And I I think it's going to take I don't know how long it'd take, but I hope that more people realize that. And um, I don't think it'd be like right after this pandemic. I think with the election coming up, like we're still in this for a while, but um, I hope that soon, you know, we find a way (laughs) through this and that we keep having more conversations, you know, because I think that that helps too, like being able to laugh and have meaningful conversations with people and really getting to know one another. Well, on a lighter note, one of the things that people should really know about you is that you are a huge Disney fan. <laughs> like you and your <laughs> families, you and your family are like yeah. die hard Disney fans, just like our producer, our podcast producer Kelton is as well. Um, are you just like dying inside that you can't go to Disney right now? Oh my goodness. Yes. That's, I think, been one of the trickiest parts of the pandemic. Not that, I mean, we did have a trip plan for the summer her big cheer competition at the end of the year and that got canceled and that was such a bummer and my son even who isn't a big traveler is like when are we going to Disney again I want to go to Disney so so we are definitely missing it for sure and we've watched literally like I made all these different movie checklists because Disney movies are really big here and we've watched like every we starting at the pandemic because we had already seen you know, most of the movies, but starting at the pandemic, we went down and watched every single Pixar movie, every single Disney animated classic. There's like 57 of them, every single Marvel movie. And now we're going to go through the sequels to all the Disney classics and the live action remakes. So we are finding ways to still enjoy and celebrate Disney, even though we can't go right now. Some of those sequels are not that great. I'll be honest. Like we have watched, we have watched like the Disney or the Cinderella lost in time and the little mermaid two And the, I mean, they're not, they're not great. (laughs) So that's like commitment to the craft. It's true. I know. (laughs) They're not that great. I mean, the best one, I mean, Frozen 2 was probably 
the best one that they've done. You know, I mean, that like puts all the rest of them to shame. And all the cars are pretty good. Okay, so Pixar sequels, I put in like a different category. A different category. Yes. But then yes, the animated sequels, like the ones you were mentioning, Little Mermaid 2. And I did, but I will say I did like Cinderella three a twist in time that was like a surprisingly good sequel (laughs) we have watched all of those seriously my girls have been like on a kick what's the one we just watched that have you watched all the emperor's new groove ones that are on disney yeah like the school one i don't know i they're not that great you guys Yeah, they are so great. Shame to say we watched them. It's not for the sake of like, (laughs) you know, watching good TV. It's just for the sake of saying we did it. (laughs) What are your thoughts on Mulan? So I'm bummed that we're not going to get to see it in the big screen on opening night because that is what we love to do. Like, And usually we get to screen it before and then write a review and then we go back again on opening night. So I'm like, heartbroken and we're not going to get to go and enjoy our overpriced popcorn and drinks and watch the movie but we're just gonna I don't know maybe we'll do an outdoor projector or something and watch it at home um when it comes out and at least we have a date now you know because it's been put off for so long so we can start our countdown for when we can finally watch it well, everyone's going to be looking to you for guidance on how to throw an at-home movie premiere party hey, for Mulan. Yeah. <laughs> I should start working on that blog post now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you are such a talented photographer, videographer, influencer in all spaces. Where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on cherish365.com. That's my blog. And that's where you'll find most of my writing, um, everything Disney movie, everything diversity and inclusion, and even homeschooling on there as well. And then on Instagram and every place else is pretty much at my name at Jennifer Bourget. Thank you so much for joining us. It was so fun to catch up with you. And I will be looking to you if all the schools close down here again, you're going to be my go-to resource for all things (laughs) at-home learning. Hey, anytime, anytime. I mean, yeah, it's not for everyone. So I'm not gonna say but I have I've been pleasantly surprised with how many people have said, you know, during the break, like, I didn't realize I would like it so much. But I'm we're gonna I think we're gonna homeschool now, you know, so yeah, people are looking at things in a different way, for sure. So thank you for putting those resources out there. And thanks for catching up and talking. It was so good to see you and talk to you. So Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jen. I'm Jennifer Stagg, and you've been listening to The Heart of the Home. I hope you'll subscribe, review, and rate this podcast, and tune in next episode for more Heart of the Home. Thank you so much for listening.